Tilly, will you pray for the, the word? Just pray for the preaching of the word. Will you do that? Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Tilly. Y'all ready? If you want to open up to Isaiah 61, we've got a lot of other scripture we'll read, but um, we'll be going to Isaiah 61 here at some point. <clears throat> I will read the other scriptures. Um, Genesis, we'll be in Genesis 12, we'll be in 1 Peter, we'll be in 1 John, we'll be also be in Ephesians 4. And uh, we'll be all over the place today. What's up, Maddie? All right, here's what I'm going to talk about. I want to. I kind of want to start off by saying this. <clears throat> my role and my my job is. Uh, in Ephesians 4, it says that, that Jesus gave gifts to, to, to men and to the church. And the, the gifts were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the reason he gave those gifts was for the, the equipping of the saints for, for, the, for service. And so um, I just want to say that I, my role here, and, and I've said this before, and I, I just want to say it again. My job is not to feed you the word. I do that. But it's your job to feed yourself every day on the word. It's your job to, to dive in and to feed yourself. Someone said if, if you only eat one time a week, then you're, you know, you're in trouble. You've got a dysfunctional um, uh, habit going on, right? And, and, so, and, and it would be impossible for, for someone to stand up here and adequately feed everyone for the whole week just in one time. So with that being said, <clears throat> that's why I take what I do seriously my job is to give you the tools to feed yourself. My job is to equip you so that throughout the week you are strong. You get bad news, you can go to the Lord in prayer. You know what to do. Someone disappoints you and your heart gets sick, you know what to do. You don't have to wait till Sunday till, till, till someone comes up and, and preaches on how to help your heart not be sick. You know because you're cultivating your own spiritual life and walk. And so I do hope that when you come to church that you do get a meal of the word from the Lord. That, I, I, you, I love the word. I love teaching the word. And that's, that's the goal. But I also want you to leave here equipped with the tools necessary so that you can function on your own as a complete, mature believer, not lacking anything. If you, if you, if you want it once a, once, a, once a week, then we're going to be lacking something. We'll be malnourished. Amen? <laughs> Amen. That's just good. We could just stop right there, right? 
So what I want to do today is I want to equip you. <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, calling, gifts, and anointing today. Three unique different things. Calling, gifts, and anointing. They're very three, they're three very distinct different things that have a purpose attached to them. <clears throat> your calling gives you your identity. Everyone say, my calling gives me my identity. When you named your child, you gave them their identity for the rest of their life. I, I named my children on purpose, the names that I named them. Josiah, the fire of God. It's, 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 it's the rooted in the same word as jo Joshua and Jesus, as, as, in, as in the one who comes to save, right? It's rooted in that. And then I named Matthias, Matthias, for a reason. He's the gift from God. Now, it's amazing how that's exactly who they are in our family. Josiah brings the fire. <laughs> it's just truth. And Matthias brings the gift of healing like it's unbelievable how they operate in our family and it's all from the identity because i i call you josiah i call you matthias i call you matthew my name is jared it means to rule ruler well every all from all my life i've been put in places of leadership from the times i was little and i didn't know why because my dad called me ruler leader so your calling gives you your identity amen and in genesis chapter 12 i encourage you to read this i've studied this uh the last two weeks i've been studying the story of abraham from abram to abraham he was called abram but god called him out and says i'm going to make you a mighty nation I'm going to give you a child, and, and, and from that child and the offspring you have, you're going to have so many children, then it's going to number the sands of the sea and the stars. You can't even count them. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Speaking to a man who had zero children, to a man whose wife was completely barren and couldn't have children, and God calls Abraham and says, I'm going to make you a nation of descendants. And then he calls him, and he causes the promise to happen, and then he changes his name and puts the A-H in his name, the Abraham, and adds that, and that's God's name. It's part of God's name. He put it into his name. He changed Sarah's name, Sarai, to Sarah. He added his name to it because they were called by God. When Paul would go to churches, he would often speak to them, and we see it in the letters that he wrote to the churches, his emails. We have a copy of his emails, 1 Corinthians, his email to the Corinthians, his email to the Romans. This is, this is what he was doing, right? He was and he would say, I, Paul, called to be an apostle. He knew who he was, and what was his name before? It was Saul. But Jesus himself came to him, and, and it's found in, this, in the book of Acts. He's riding on his horse in his pride and in his arrogance, and he even says it of himself, I was the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the biggest hypocrite of them all but because I knew this, but I didn't know him. He talked about it. And he's riding on this horse, and Jesus Christ himself appears to him, which is vital, very important. 
because all the disciples had seen Jesus from the time he was in ministry until he's dead and resurrected. So it's very important that, that Saul saw Jesus himself because he became an apostle who wrote most of the New Testament. It's very important. And God called him to something and gave him a new identity. Gave him a new identity. Your calling is your identity. First uh, Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're peculiar people. You're strange. You're a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called, called you out of darkness into light. What does that mean? He called us light. <clears throat> Your identity is what he says about you. I love when Jesus is talking with the disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? Hey, Peter, who, who do you say I am? Well, some people say that you're Moses and some people say that you're Elijah resurrected and come back. And some people say this. And he says, no, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, well done. This was not revealed to you by flesh and bone, but revealed to you by the spirit. And up on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus called Peter into apostleship. He called him into this new identity. Do you know who you are? I mean, really, I, I want that to settle. Who did God say you are? Who are you? If someone came in here and said, Matt, who, who does God say you are? Would you be able to answer? Would you be able to say, this is who God says I am? Tommy, if, if, if I came and said, hey, Tommy, who does God say that you are? Could you confidently say, I, God says I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and I'm this. And I, I'm not pointing people out. I'm saying for all of us. Because if we cannot answer that question, we have an identity crisis. And if we don't know who we are, guess what happens? We go over here. Oh, that doesn't feel right. We go over here. Well, that doesn't, that's not me. We go over here. And we're trying to find ourselves because we haven't sat down with the Father and said, God, who am I? What is my name? What is my identity? If you have an identity crisis and you don't know who you are, you know who you'll become? Whoever the most powerful person in your life wants you to become. If you don't know who you are, you will become whoever the most powerful person in your life says that you are. If the most powerful person in your wife in your life thinks that you you don't have your stuff together, then you will believe that you don't have your stuff together. If the most powerful person in your life looks at you and is concerned for you, then you will live your life in insecurity. If the most powerful person in your life thinks that you need to work a certain type of job, you'll work that certain type of job even though you, you're not gifted for it. You don't have, it's not your identity. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. But because they say that's who you are, then you'll do it. So you need to know who God says that you are. I cannot stress this enough. It is vital. It is of utmost importance next to your soul. 
being right with the Lord, you need to know who he says you are. Because otherwise you will and I can live in an identity crisis where we bounce back and forth and we're tossed around. Our calling gives us our identity. The Father calls us. Amen. Next, uh, our gifts. So calling and then gifts. Your gifts give you your abilities. Would you say that with me? My gifts give me my abilities. So my calling gives me my identity, who I am to the core. My giftings add on to my identity and my calling, and they give me my ability to do and to be who I am. You guys still with me? If you get your identity from your gifts, listen to this. If you get your identity from what you can do or can't do, you will have a performance-based identity. If you don't know who you are, but you're really good at evangelism, then you will gain your identity from how many people you won to the Lord this last week. And if you didn't win someone to the Lord, you will, ha- you will be upset and disappointed. You will feel like you failed. Why? Because your identity is tied to performance. If you have the gift of prophecy and your identity is wrapped up in your gift of prophecy, you gain significance from prophesying and not from who God says that you are. It doesn't mean that we don't operate in our gifts. It means that we don't withdraw our identity and our fulfillment from the gift. When we're teaching people how to minister in the altars, one of the things that we teach and we say very often, it's one of my core beliefs when it comes to ministering to someone. When you are praying for someone and ministering to someone, you get nothing from it. This is not for me. If I'm praying for someone and they are ministered to, this isn't for my benefit. My obedience is my reward. But serving them is Jesus' reward. So I can't build and wrap my identity in serving people, praying for people, helping people, running here and cleaning up people's messes and doing all this stuff. We will run around crazy and wear ourselves out trying to be uh, to feel significant and feel our significance in all the things that we can do or can't do because we don't know who we are. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.8 says that when he, when Christ ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave them gifts. So Jesus gave us gifts. Do you know what your gifts are? If you do not know what your gifts are, what will you do? You will do whatever the most powerful person in your life thinks you should do. Identity comes from calling. Amen? Abilities comes from our gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Ephesians 4... There's 25 gifts that 
that Holy Spirit that the Father and, and they give to us. There, there's 25 of them, and I just want to read through them because these are gifts that are given to us by the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, gift of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps, helping people. Did you know it's a gift to help people? It is just as powerful as prophecy. That's pretty, pretty good. That's awesome. I love that one of these is not more important than the other. Helps. Administration. Ministry or serving other people. Teaching. Encouragement. Encouragement. Yes. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Dear Lord, help me. Giving. Giving. That's a ministry. Leadership. Mercy. Apostle, evangelist, pastor. Grace is a gift given to us. Here's another one. I don't know if I want this one. Willing to face martyrdom. (laughs) Willing to give your life for Christ. That is a gift. Not one that I eagerly desire. (laughs) Paul says eagerly desire spiritual gifts. But at least that you would prophesy. Mostly prophesy, right? Intercession is a gift hospitality is a gift and then the last one again celibacy is a gift not one that i've asked the lord for since i'm already married but it's one of the gifts listed in the bible these are gifts given to people think of mother Teresa. think of these great men and women that have surrendered their lives in that gift she gave herself for the poor so good for good for her right but the gifts Give us our abilities. If you do not know what your gifts are, you need to find out. Amen. Third. So our calling gives us our identity. Our gifts give us our abilities. And our anointing gives us our purpose. Will you say that with me? My anointing gives me my purpose. When I say purpose, this is what I mean by that. The task that you are assigned to accomplish. So my identity comes from my calling. Who does God say that I am? To add to who he says I am, he gives me gifts that highlight my identity, that fit me. God gives you gifts that fit you. You know, I, we've been doing this this thing. How many read the book from Malcolm Gladwell, um, Outliers? Anyone, anyone read that book or heard of that book? Yeah, a couple of you. In that book, he talks about that to be uh, excellent at something, to be a master at something, you need to do 10,000 hours of it. That sounds, that's a long time. 10,000 hours makes you a professional, like really excellent at something. And he says what we have done wrong and incorrectly in the education system is we have taken kids and we have said, well, they've scored here on tests. They're really good in math and science, and they're really bad in English literature and those kinds of things. So what we've done in the education system is we've put all of our focus on 
the majority of our focus on. You need to get your English and reading scores up to, to, to get close to your math scores. And what he proposes in this book and says is that instead of just focusing on our weaknesses to make them better, you need to find what you're really good at and do more of that. Do more of that. It doesn't mean we just completely abandon everything else, but it means the majority of our time spent on, on making ourselves better is what we're really good at. I think what we've done, and I don't know how this happens, I don't know why this happens, but in the church, we think there always has to be something wrong. Uh, oh, there's something wrong. How about we do this? Let's do what Malcolm Gladwell says. What do we do really well, and let's do that more. Let's take that to, to you as a believer, to me as a believer. Instead of saying, man, I'm really not good at this, I'm really not good at that, I need to get better, I need to read books, I need to study, I need to be around people, I'm not against that. But instead of doing that solely, why don't you find out what your gifts are and just pour your life into your gifts. Sharpen the acts that God has given you. You do something uniquely and with a level of excellence that everyone around here needs. And if you're constantly worried and going back and forth between trying to fix your weaknesses, then we never see the excellence, the 10,000 hours of excellence that you have in that one gift. You don't have to be good at everything. And we've kind of made it feel that way in the church well you need to have all the spiritual gifts and you need to be good at all of them look if you can have all the spiritual gifts and be really good at all of them go for it you may have the capacity to do that but most of us do not have the capacity to do that most of us have a handful of things that we're really called to do and in that handful of things there's one or two things that we are absolutely experts at if we'll put our time into it and work with the lord on that amen so your anointing, right? Your anointing gives you your purpose, what you're called to do. Let's go to Isaiah 61, <clears throat> and let's read this, because <clears throat> this will drive home the point of what the anointing. Every time in Scripture when you see that he anointed them, or they were anointed by God, they were always anointed to do something. There was a task attached to it. So Isaiah 61, verse 1, and this is prophesying of jesus and then jesus reads this prophecy and says it was fulfilled in luke chapter 4 the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted he's anointed christ to perform these things to do these things his calling was to be the messiah his giftings were he has all these gifts right jesus has gifts and then his anointing was to, to do the things that are listed here. <clears throat> to pro proclaim liberty to captives. Freedom to prisoners. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And a day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion. To give them a garland instead of ashes. One place says beauty instead of ashes. Oil of gladness instead of mourning. A mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. This is what Jesus was uniquely anointed to do. He was called to do. This was who he was. This is who he was called to be. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild ancient ruins. 
They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So because of Jesus' calling, because of his giftings and because of his anointing, when he operates in those things, the, the consequence, the reward to this is nations will be rebuilt. Ancient ruins will be built up again. Cities with walls that are broken down will be restored. Strangers will stand and pasture your flocks and foreigners will be your farmers and vine dressers. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of God. You will eat the wealth of the nations and in their riches you will boast. (laughs) Instead of shame, you will have a double portion. His anointing causes us to have, instead of shame, to have a double portion from God. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Kind of theme going on there, right? My dad used to preach and he'd say, double for their trouble. (laughs) Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord God, love justice. I hate robbery and burnt offerings. And I will faithfully give them their reward and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them will rejoice, will recognize them, because they are the offspring of those whom the Lord has blessed. How awesome is that? Verse 10, we'll read it out, and there's two more verses. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt my God, for he clothed me with garments of salvation. Hallelujah. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decks himself with garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes the things sown into it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up from the nations. Why is that important? Because it was the anointing that was placed on our Savior, our Messiah, and it called him to a purpose. So do you know your identity? Do you know who you are? I mean, really know. Do you know what your giftings are, what your gifts are? And do you know what he's anointed you to uniquely do? If you get your identity from your anointing, then you will become super spiritual and weird. My identity doesn't come from my gifts. It does not come from my anointing. It comes from who God says I am. Let me say, let me end with this. Hopefully I can say this well. There is a great temptation when you are a leader in a church in any ministry, whether it's kids ministry, youth ministry, a pastor. There's a great temptation to be what the people want you to be. It's just true. It really is. And it is a, it's an unspoken pressure. And, and I don't think that, you know, when I sat in church under my father, I don't think I, I was like, oh, man, I wish he was this or I wish he was that. But there's this, this tension, there's this pressure there to, to become or to, to be molded into what they really want. And there's something that's been happening to me lately where I wasn't given my identity by, by the church. And I wasn't called by the church. 
the gifts that God gave me weren't from the church. The anointing didn't come from the church. It didn't come from the, the fellowship that I belong to, that I'm a, a registered reverend, went to Bible college for. I didn't get my calling, my gifting, or my anointing from Bible college. Got it from the Lord. And, and in that pressure to, to just move here or there to, to, to meet people where they want you to, to be met, it's easy to lose who you are. It really is. Not, not even with bad motives, not even with bad intentions. But I want to I say this, and we'll have more teaching on this coming up. We, we're going to be doing a, we're gonna do a Bible study through the book of Ephesians where we get deeply into this. But I know that I am not a pastor. <laughs> but I'm called to pastor the church. My greatest gifting of the five is teaching. Uh, my teaching gift is, it's, I know it's what I am. You know what's very close to that that you probably wouldn't know? It's prophetic. My second highest gifting is prophetic. Third is apostolic mindset. Then way down is pastor, and then just below pastor is evangelist. And now that you know, you know me, that makes sense. I have to I have to lead this church with the identity and the call and the anointing that I have to lead this church. What does that mean? My wife is a pastor. Absolutely. My wife wants to guard and protect the flock. So we make a really good team. We do. There are other people in this room. You have a pastor's heart. I I mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to say it again. When, when Stephen and Vivian came over and brought the gift for Isaiah and the boys the other night, that was a pastoral thing. That was a really awesome pastoral thing. So we need the five-fold ministry to operate in our church. That means you need to know who you are, what your gifts are, and we need you to stand and do what you're called to do. Because if, if we miss our effectiveness when we try to do what someone else was called to do. When a need rises in the church, we're like, oh, we just got to, we got to do it. We got to meet that need. And yeah, the Lord can give us grace to meet that specific need, but that's not our calling. Let's think of it like a soda machine, all right? Soda machine, it's, what are the components of it? It has carbonated water, and then it's got different, unique dispensers, right? One is for Fanta. And one is for root beer, and one is for Dr. Pepper, and one is for Coke, and the little bitty one that you can hardly ever find is for water, right? (laughs) Anyway, let's think of it this way. So the Holy Spirit is the the carbonated water that goes into every one of those flavors has carbonated water in it, except the water. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, has his expression in every one of those flavors. But Fanta is apostolic, and root beer is prophetic, and evangelist is this, and each one of them has a unique grace attached to them. It's the same spirit, same carbonation, but a different flavoring. And if I receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, what do we get? The prophet's reward. If you... If you are looking for pastor grace from me, I may can operate in pastoral things, but you may miss the, the, the manifestation of what you really need from me 
Is that, is that is okay for me to say it that way? But if you're looking for teaching and prophetic, and teachers, teachers ground people. Like what they really want to do is for people to get grounded and know God. And, and, and prophets want you to know the heart of God. Teachers want you to know the mind of God. And I think if you think back of how, how I minister, those are the two areas I probably go back and forth between. This is the heart of God and this is the mind of God. This is the heart of God. This is the mind of God. And what I want is to weave that into, the, into this church so we become fulfilled and great. What I need, though, is for every one of you and every one of us on the leadership and, and everyone, maybe you listen to the podcast, you don't come. Come to church. We need what God has in you. But you need to find what your identity is. And you need to do it really well. And don't move off of that. Once you know what you are, don't move off of it. <laughs> Say it with me one more time. My calling gives me my identity. My gifts give me my abilities. My anointing gives me my purpose. Amen? Who are you? What gifts do you have? What anointing do you carry? How do you know if you're anointed? When you do something, it's effective. It's powerful. Amen. Would you stand and we're going to close things out? Father, we ask that you would tell us who we are. Help us to know who we are. Give us our identity. And Father, once we know who we are, we ask that you would show us what we are called to do. Who, who you called us to be. <laughs> then I ask, Lord, that you would equip us and reveal to us the gifts that you gave us to accomplish what we're called to do. And then we ask that you would anoint us. We say it in the... In the um, Offering declaration, anointings, giftings, calls. This is what I'm talking. This is what we're talking about. Help me to know who I'm called. Help me know where I'm gifted. Help me know where I'm anointed. See, sometimes we have a gift that's really good. So I was I was talking to my brother-in-law the other day, and, and I was telling him, the Lord said this to me, and I won't won't go into all the details. And and I feel like this is going to happen. He goes, well, what do you think the solution to that is? And this is my answer. I think sometimes I overuse some of my gifts. And, and I over, overexpose certain gifts that I have. And when I do that, it doesn't let other people expose that gift or rise up in that gift. So I want you to rise up in your gifts. We w there's no, the, the best prophet in the room doesn't become the leader of the prophets. We're all, we, we can all prophesy. There's no competition we all need to just do what we're called to do, what we're gifted to do and anointed to do. So would you pray for the person next to you that God would help them know who they are, what they're gifted to do, and what they're anointed to do? Yeah. Who do you say we are, God?
Father, as you unlock gifts, unlock gifts right now, and unlock anointings inside of people. Now, the enemy will attack all three of those things. He did it when he, when he tempted Jesus. He, attempt, he tempted it in who he was. If you really are the son of God, you will perform what you're anointed to perform. It, he always, he attacks those strings. Identity, gifting, anointing. If I had more time, I would develop that and get more into that today. But I want you to, to ask the Lord to make you more keenly aware of when the enemy attacks your identity, what that feels like. I know what it feels like when the enemy is attacking my identity. And I just now began to realize what it was. I just now began to understand, whoa, that's not just an attack. That, he's attacking my identity. Why? Because the enemy wants you to move away from who you are. Then he attacks your, 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 your gifting, what you're gifted at. And then he attacks your anointing. So be really aware of those things and ask the Lord to show you. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know what your gifts are, your anointing, don't go another day without knowing. Please, don't go another day without knowing. Don't be baby John Doe waiting for the name in the hospital. Come on, come up with a name. Find out who God says that you are. And when he says who you are, then live that. Be that person. Amen? Well, we love you guys. If you want prayer, we're going to be here at the front. We want to lay hands if you're sick. You'll be healed. We believe in this. We believe in healing. And we want to see breakthrough. So if you want a prayer, come on up. We love you. We bless you. Sign up for Harvest Crusade there at the back. And uh, discipleship is next Sunday during the service, which will be condensed. And uh, we bless you.